Hello world and welcome to another episode of the Everything's Been Done podcast, live stream conversations on cycling subculture. I'm your host, Dustin Klein, and today's episode is brought to you by the one and only Everything's Been Done gear shop. For everything you could ever hope or imagine having, some of it is there in the Everything's Been Done gear shop. From goodies to doodads, what you're looking for is just around the bed. Better than a bag of rocks, the Everything's Been Done gear shop. Whoo! Today we've got a very special guest. He is a photographer and filmmaker of maximum proportions. He is a fixed gear freestyle legend. And also, I, I think this guy's got the Midas touch. You can find him at, I kind of fucked that up, but you can still find him on YouTube at Matt Reyes, on Instagram as Slumworm, and at wheeltalk.org. Please welcome Mr. Matt Reyes. <laughs> hey, what's going on? <laughs> uh, hey, guys. <laughs> Thank you, Matt, for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It is an ultimate pleasure. Um, so, I mean, I think basically I just want to start from the beginning because we know each other, but we don't, you know, really know each other. Or I feel like I don't know a lot about your background. So where sure. did you grow up? Um, straight into it. I grew up in San Jose and Gilroy and kind of like the southern part of the Bay Area, which is in California. Oh, Okay. And then did you live there your whole, like, adolescent life? Yeah, pretty much until I was 18 and graduated high school, and then moved up to San Francisco, where I spent about 10 years living there, going to school, working, and just riding bikes. And then I, I feel like, so one of the main things that you do is fixed gear freestyle, which is very BMX influenced, but I kind of have a feeling you right. didn't grow up doing BMX, or did, what did you, what kind of activities did you do growing up? No, I mean, I rode bikes, like, as a kid and stuff, but then I, like, when I actually, like, started trying to ride BMX, I, like, could never really get the bike off the ground or really move it around in any real way, but I was, like, the kid who had all the, like, action sports stuff growing up, you know, just kept the garage open, go rollerblade for a bit, go grab my skateboard, do that, go ride my bike with my bike friends. It was kind of, like, I didn't hone in on any real one real thing until high school when I kind of started just skateboarding and then I moved up to SF and just kind of continued to skateboard but then just kind of found bikes along the way as a better mode of both transportation and as something that I saw that you could do tricks on so I was very like stoked on that aspect and the culture and the kind of community that was in support and behind that at the time. Do you know what years that was? And do you remember like what you saw that was like kind of tipped you tip peaked your interest? Yeah. I mean, that was like 2008, 2009. Okay. And I mean, it was like, I was a suburban kid living in like the Bay area in Gilroy at the time. So the whole like track bike messenger community was fully off my radar, you know? I didn't even know that existed. And then I saw a kid riding a bike. It was a fixed gear one day in town. And he was the first kid to introduce it to me. And from there, he was kind of like 
sat us down and we watched the MASH video one night, the like 2007 full length that they put out. And he was like, this is what it is. I was like, what? I was like, no shit. I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> huh. So did you see them at all? Were you in SF at that point? Or like, I mean, no, I was, no, I was just about to move up there. So then I was, so then I moved up there and I kind of like, all right, I, I knew what track bikes were. They were becoming more culturally relevant, let's say, you know, I still didn't know anything about the messenger community, but I knew that like people were riding these vintage bikes. So and that was kind of where it was at when I, when I found it. And then you must have seen them like as soon as you got well actually i'm kind of con confused because gilroy like weren't you going to sf just for like i don't know any little thing just because the city was so close or would you kind of not really go very often no i mean sf was like even though it was like an hour and a half away from where i grew up and lived like going to the city was never something that we did you know we would hop on the bus and go skate like as far as san jose and that was kind of the like the boundary. <laughs> Anything past that was like too long of a day on the bus. Yeah, it was, I'm sure it was actually. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah, everything up until like I left, like I went and visited SF for the first time to like check out schools. Oh, so wow. that was kind of like it was a muggy or it was like a foggy day, and I was like, whoa, the buildings are tall. This is cool. Wait, the first and time... That was like one the of the first, first, first times I went there, yeah. Ever? <laughs> that I can, like, remember, or, yeah, pretty much. We never visited growing up. We had no reason to go. That, like, blows my mind because you're so close. For, like, right. music or skate or anything, like... Wow. No, nothing. Whoa. Hour and a half. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, San Jose, that was where it was at. <laughs> that's i'm like yeah. that's that's amazing okay so then you're like 18 and then you're like okay here's this crazy city i mean you'd like seen it in skate videos and stuff i'm guessing oh yeah and like mash sf things like that yeah i watched skate videos but like at the time you weren't like exposed to everything all at once you know you were limited to whatever your friends purchased from the skate shop whatever vhs's or at the time, barely DVDs, right? <laughs> Whatever they had. So you were like, I watched Baker 3, this is skateboarding. Like, I watched certain videos just on repeat, and that was my exposure. Totally. For yeah. a really long time. Oh, I, I totally can relate to that. You kind of, you get what you get, and you just kind of yeah, study exactly. that. It's not like you can, like, look it up or go to the library or, like, that stuff wasn't readily available. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I didn't really see SF in that like skate light until I like lived there and I was like really loved the city. And then once I like found that aspect of it, looking back at and watching old SF stuff, just anything revolving it was so satisfying. <laughs> Sorry. Watching, like, oh, yeah. Go ahead. 1920s, like old footage of SF or like old skate footage or BMX footage, just anything revolving. San Francisco was really, I don't know. And then, so... Living there, watching it. <laughs> um, when you, like, you, did you, what kind of school did you go to? When um, you I went to the Academy of Art 
and I went to like new media. Oh. And it basically just exposed you to all the like Adobe programs. So I kind of just got like introduction and in depth into some things, but like pretty much just introductions to a lot of the Adobe suite. So everything from music to design stuff to video to photo. So kind of just a little bits of everything. And I kind of used whatever I was doing at school and immediately applied it to what me and my bike friends were doing. And that's this is a little bit further down the line, but I really use school as a way to kind of put to use some of the knowledge I was getting from there in a practical way with me and my friends every day of the week. <laughs> totally. Well, and I think that really speaks to just your personality type. You're very self-motivated using the resources that you have. You're like your own media company, <laughs> magazine, like it's just, it reminds me very much of like DIY, skate, punk rock, just do it yourself. Yeah. And it's funny to see like this kind of everyone wants to be doing that, but we were just doing it out of necessity. It was like, it was a part of doing it, right? Like if, and if you were making videos and you were doing fixed gear freestyle or fixed gear stuff, there was already an audience of people like waiting for it to come out. So it was really easy to get sucked into that when you had so many people who were quickly becoming your friends who were pumping you up and getting you motivated to make more. Yeah, like there's there was already a, um, I don't know, I want to say like the content was, or the meat was already there. It just, so you're like, cool, just like make something out of this awesome stuff that's already happening. Yeah, we caught, again, it caught it at a good time, right? It was already like becoming a thing when I kind of like found it. Like it was going into becoming a very much so mainstream activity. These bikes were being sold in Urban Outfitters and stuff. And before I even had one, I remember looking at some of these builds that I would see on the street and the people would just have the wildest colorways. You know, it was all about the like your colors and your <laughs> whatever you were doing there. Huh. I remember seeing a kid had like a Spider-Man like themed bike <laughs> and I was like getting on a bar and I was like, oh my God, the bike looks expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, I am curious though, the, the moment where you, so you moved to the city, maybe you're going to school, like you're seeing these bikes, like how did you get your first bike? Like there's this funny, like, did you have a friend? It's kind of hard to get into it at first, I feel like. Yeah, it's like, where do you go buy this vintage bike other than secondhand via Craigslist or something? Or you just know somebody who's going to kick down something. Yeah. And that was kind of, I think, the, like, falling into it point for a lot of people was how easy it was to put together. So, like, a friend gave me a, a frame set, and he gave me a calling cable, Gonzo Grape, shout out real quick. Sick. <laughs> he gave me a, fr a frame set, but once I had that, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm like, most of the way done, you know? <laughs> I, I need wheels and, like, a seat or, like, some other stuff, I guess. But, like, this is, like, an entire bike almost, right? <laughs> and so I, like, had that for, like, five months, and I didn't have anything else. And then I slowly was just, like, falling more and more into the internet culture, like, side of things. And there were so many both, like, blogs and forums and places for people to connect. At the time, it wasn't social media yet, right? Totally. But the internet was there in a very real way. So, yeah, then I was just, like, watching other people all across the country ride, and people in, like, Texas and in 
RVA fix with like Mike Schmidt and like guys like Ed Blanca and Tom LaMarche in New York and just like John Prawley, what they were doing out there and promoting and seeing all the people riding at, at Peel Sessions, you were like, whoa, this is active. Yeah, so like, I guess I'm like kind of fascinated by it. you were so into it and then you had this bike but you were like still like almost ready to get into it, but not, were you, did you feel like you were doing like kind of homework to figure out like, how do I want to build this up? What can be done on it? Yeah, right. So I was like, yeah. And something that resonates really he heavily with me and was maybe a turning point was like, my friend already gave me this bike, right? And I, he kind of just gave it cause he didn't need it anymore. But then I had it and I was sitting in my dorm room and I was like on the bottom bunk, right? And I'm sitting there on my laptop and I'm scrolling through images and I see this one of a guy and it's a roll door and he's just doing a vertical wall, wall ride on this fixed gear bike. And I was like, whoa, that seems intense. <laughs> I was like, I have no idea what that's about or how he's doing that, but that looks, I was like, that looks pretty sick. <laughs> I was like, that makes this look really cool actually. And I, I came from the skateboard background. So if it wasn't, that's the mentality I had coming into it and riding around was just part of that, you know, but like, yeah, seeing it, people do like backwards circles and Keo spins and all of that kind of really opened me up to wanting to pursue it. And then you, you get the, you, the you bike get the, built the up. Built up. <laughs> Whoa, audio. And then, um, what were you, did you like, did you have a community yet or did you just start like, in the like some now, parking lot and just i didn't know anybody right. i had like my two friends who already had bikes but they lived in gilroy and i was living oh, in sf now oh. so i was like i had this thing and i was by myself but i was already pretty used to just exploring the city already <laughs> in that way and then i had this bike and i lived at the top of the hill and i like the first wheels i put on it were just a single speed setup with no brakes so I remember like bombing around the city and down hills, like single speed, no brakes, just head shredding because I knew that was a thing from seeing other people ride online. And I just like mobbed around like that and learned some quick lessons on what to do and what not to do <laughs> in doing so. And I, but I was so amped. I just like had this bike and I was ripping around and it was like an amazing thing. So then it's, so like you, just through that, I'm assuming you started to meet people. Yeah, but I'm not the like approach you like, hey, what's up? I'm new to this type. You know, I admire people who are like that. <laughs> but I'm, I was like seeing people meet up at like the island, like places that we go all the time now. I was like seeing a pack of like 20 people meeting up there every day, Whoa. doing all these tricks. But I had nothing. I, my bag was, <laughs> there wasn't a single trick in my bag, you know? Wow. And so I, I just rode by, hello, and just kept riding, you know? I'm working on that still. But then I, like, after two weeks of having the bike, I was, like, I, find, I got wheelies up, and I was, like, oh, okay. And that was kind of, like, quick progressions into one foot in front of the other with all the tricks that followed. <laughs> I'm not going to let you off that easy. That's too. And then, and then I'm here today. 
Dude, so like the island and stuff, I'm assuming that was like an intimidating place. All these people, they're really good. You're like, I just kind of know how to do wheelies. Like, how did you start yeah. to integrate? Um, Through like the San Jose community and through oh. like, I feel like I had um, people, I had, I had friends or people I was meeting along the way and I was like riding in the panhandle in Golden Gate right there next to Golden Gate Park all the time. Like that was a pretty like cool little meetup spot. And there were some people that like taught me how to ride fakey and like other ch tricks there. And, and then quickly from that, those bikes progressed so quickly into like a fix your freestyle setup. And so much of that community was happening in San Jose because of IMISD directly having a bike shop there. Yeah. Right there next to the college in downtown San Jose. So I very much, I very much so found a strong community there and was taking Caltrain all the time. Oh, so you were doing the, you moved to SF, but then we're spending all your time back in San Jose. Yeah. And in Gilroy, I would just take it to San Jose and Gilroy all the time. And I like lived in San Francisco, That's but all my friends were still in Gilroy and I was finding all these new friends in San Jose, but I had lived in SF, but no one else could afford to live there. I was just there because I was going to school. Right. I was like able to live there because of that. <laughs> and all my other friends were still in the Southern part of the Bay. Um, so then this whole time, are you like, you're starting to integrate into this scene and then you're going to school and learning all this new media stuff. Was it automatically you're like, Oh cool. I'm going to start documenting, shooting these people. Were you filming right away? Well, let Ernie field this one. Yeah. Ernie. <laughs> <laughs> No, they haven't. Long dog, see him. Um, no, I kind of like was already down that path of like filming my friends, right? So I was like in high school, and I was already filming my friends both ride BMX and skateboard and stuff, but I wasn't proficient at any one of those things, and I like no matter how hard I tried, I just like wasn't, I wasn't getting anywhere with it interesting and then one day i remember like i was like ah, you know what i was like i really want to skateboard i really want to like try to to get good or like get a couple tricks down and i learned like kick flips and burial flips and like fakie kick flips like a bunch of these flip tricks all in one day i spent like eight hours nine hours in the garage practicing but i like came out of that with this confidence of you know what i just didn't want to land stuff before I was like, I just wasn't trying. I was like, I need to try harder if I want to do any of this. And then I was skating for a little bit, but then very quickly found fixed gear and then kind of just took all that effort or that mentality that I was putting in at the time and transferred that over to riding bikes instead. Yeah, and that's a, such a perfect... I love that you said that because it, it really reminds me of like your approach and it's something I'm actually really intrigued about with you. And one of the things you said to me at one point about filming and photography is what are you willing to do for the shot? So this kind of speaks yeah. to that kind of like this mentality you have of, I'm trying to understand it. Like not like, tr I don't want just trying hard. Like how would you explain that? Cause it's something that's still pre prevalent today. It seems. Oops. Right. It's understanding that things take work. 
and what are you willing, how much work are you willing to put in, I guess, right? You don't need to work harder, but you can see when someone's working. And the thing with like, what are you willing to do to get a shot or the shot? Like I reference that with when you look at somebody and they're taking photos of something, if they're standing upright and they're just pushing the button, they're taking a photo. But if that person's like crouched down and they're wide stanced and they're getting crazy, I look over at that person and I know that they're getting a good shot. You know, they're putting in that work. And what are you willing to do? <laughs> what are you willing to do? For anything though, for the trick, for the shot, for the yeah. edit, for the graphic. Right. Like this, I get, what is your, how would you say your relationship to quote unquote work is? And I know that can be a real loaded term and perception, but. Um, my person, I mean, the work I do is pretty endless. Right. Interesting. Always, stack, always stacking a new project in front of yourself. But if if you're enjoying what you're doing, it's like not considered work, right? Yes. As long as you're enjoying it still, then it's like it's it comes easy. As long as you're not forcing a puzzle piece, it's fun. And so continue to do those things. And with the work as of lately, I've had a better time and more fun doing it when I don't when I embrace its imperfections and purposely create and look for those things or try to create moments of that, you know, and understand that nothing's perfect. And getting past that was like a big thing for me because I was spending so much time on a project and never putting it out. And I've come to embrace just the gut feeling, if you will. Interesting. This is what I did. And that's, that happened for a reason, right? It came from me in that way like i don't need to overthink it because i'm gonna ruin it if i do so (gasps) yeah well and then that kind of shifts into when one knows that a a piece is done yeah just know that you're done working on it just be done working on it so is that like a a debt like a self-imposed deadline if you if you want to work that way what if there isn't a deadline then you just work on something for as long as it's fun then if it's not fun you don't want to come back to it put it out stop working on it <laughs> just put Make it in the next thing better okay so then don't worry about making that thing great you're gonna the more you make the more the more you'll progress right so it's like video games right you're acquiring these like whatever skills or you're like building up those meters and <laughs> you're building hours practicing is literally like part of it Yes, for sure, for sure. You you enjoy doing it or do you enjoy like having a final product, you know? I mean, that's exactly what I'm thinking is like, I don't, I'm always doing a project, but I don't always enjoy every step of the project. I often think when I look back at it, I don't know if I enjoyed any of the process. I'm just glad that it's done. And then I (laughs) automatically start the next thing. Right. Do you ever like look back and get this like, if when you create a lot, you get this like out of body experience of like, whoa, I made that. Oh, or, like whoa, I put in the time to make that. Totally. You ever get that? For sure. On like, wow, it must have taken a lot of time. <laughs> Who did that? Oh man, on several levels, from like, you know, like I did at one point, I guess. Big projects to just like a stack of drawings. 
Like you'll go through and be like, when the fuck did I make all these? And like, totally. like sometimes for drawing, I'll get really anxious about make, like, I'll feel like, oh, I got to hurry up or make it fast or whatever. And then yeah. it's like, if you just slow down, oh, it's a really interesting, this thing of like how much time you put into something or how much time you will allow. Maybe what I'm speaking to is not focusing on how much time things take and just allowing the process to happen and not think right. about the anxious, like, oh, I just want this to be done. I got to do the next thing. And totally. Because you'll quit before you get anywhere. The people who get good at things are the people who I think really are relaxed with how long things take. Mm. You know, good things take time. Everything does. But just put yourself in front of it in small ways every day. And mm. you won't have to, like, exert yourself in, like, one big moment and then, like, burn yourself out and feel like, oh, I'm not going anywhere. Because... <laughs> yeah i feel tired it's bummed me out and i'm not feeling the progression and it's not fun like just make keep it fun yeah but there's there's a, there's an interesting point here because it's not always fun making things and progressing in things is not always fun and as much as as much as i would love to believe that to be true if i only did things when they were fun i would do so much less stuff than i do which Maybe that's fine. I don't know. It's just an interesting. Okay, yeah. Well, I like things that are hard sometimes. I like doing things just because it's like work. You ever do that? No. You're like, yeah. I just want to put myself in front of something that's like work for a bit. Well, how do you, what like, do you define work as? Like, what does work mean? Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like right now I'm like, I'm like, oh, I want to play guitar more. So I'll like put myself in front of it and just do like stuff that's not I'm not playing guitar in any real meaningful way. I'm just like building up the skill level, you know, you're just like doing the exercise. You're just doing the practice and putting yourself in front of it. And so sometimes I just like stuff that's like that. And I've been like going out and riding my like fixed gear freestyle bike again every day. But every day I just go out and I just try to do hang fives, which is like a nose manual on the front page. Oh, sick. But every, every day I just go out there and I just try this one trick. I try this one trick. And I come back inside and I tell my lady, I'm like, all right, 3.6% better today. Oh, sick. Like the other day I came in, I was like, oh, 11% better. Oh. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I'm still working on it. But the point is, it's like you can feel, it feels better every day. I feel stronger. It feels more comfortable. And I'm not like, you know overexerting it just little bits i want to be able to keep i want to be able to do it tomorrow so yeah okay so i have a similar so this is almost like that uh the mythical story of the pushing the stone up the hill like you're just kind of always practicing something or mm -hmm. always practicing many things and right you, my version of your hang hang five is that what it's called sure yeah you're like, you can call it that, old man. Is <laughs> <laughs> like a hacky sack, just like it, which is like this pointless thing to do, but it's like a physical movement. It has incremental progress. It's just yeah. gratifying because of my, because it's hard and because there's progress. Yeah, right. And it's like a solo thing. I like things that I can like do by myself and just kind of like yeah. uh, zone out and like hone in. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, no, no, for sure. But real quick, speaking of the hacky sack, did you see, do you know Tom, you know Tom Mosher, right? Oh, yeah, I know, yeah. He, he posted like a hacky sack video of him yesterday, and he's like a world champion, like hacky sack dude. If anyone knows who Tom Mosher is, you should, if you wrote Fix Your Freestyle or anything like that back in the day. He's, he's, he's insane at hacky sack, it's hilarious. Whoa. Like, he's better than anyone I've ever seen. I, I never knew somebody could be so good at anything until I saw him hack. <laughs> and it's funny, too, when you have friends that you don't even know they have these crazy skills that they just never show. Like, dude, world-renowned. I don't know. I've never seen anyone better. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. Huh. So I guess... I'm actually been curious about this is what other things you seem like a person that has a lot of practices. Is that so you think? Yeah. Yeah. Like what are some uh, things that you regularly practice recently? Um, as of recently, like I've been trying to like music's been a new one music in like a lot of different degrees, but music in a sense of like trying to have a different stimulant that's not just a visual one, you know? So much of my work kind of became photo video related. And I was just kind of always in front of a screen, just staring down like the brightness until the <laughs> midnight hours, you know? Yeah. And I just felt like, oh, my eyes would be tired at the end of the night and I like couldn't keep working, but I like still wanted to do something. And so I'm trying to cultivate more hobbies or more activities that stimulate different things for me and so that's kind of like riding bikes and going out that stimulates the body right okay you know come in like play music and that's kind of like oh something i can do like with like the back of my brain and like close my eyes and then i'll do video stuff and that's kind of like the front of my head <laughs> if that makes sense yeah i like that that one and thing then at least yeah. it, like I can't do one thing. I have like, okay, another thing I can be doing or two things or like I can be very comfortable all the time. Do you feel like you're always looking for a certain uh, finish line or certain accomplishment with any of the projects that you do or are you just like doing them? Um, there, it, It's hard to – Music was something that I really enjoyed, and music kind of preceded bikes for me in a real way. And bikes kind of like took over my everyday like thought, <laughs> I guess. But like I was very hesitant to come back to it because I knew I didn't have time for another hobby in any mm -hmm. serious way. And I was afraid of like it taking away time from the other things I was trying to get done. But the way in which I've found it's easier to integrate something is if it has overlap with the things you're already doing. So music for me That's and the good. like finish line or what I enjoyed making music is creating tracks and then being able to use those for my videos. And so then I feel like Same. those two overlap in a very like one, two manner where I could spend some time on doing this hobby and then integrate that into a, this other one I'm doing and then I'm shifting gears from different parts of my brain and how much I'm working those or getting straining them let's say by working them no that it's that's like sounds like such a, a 
perfect formula because one thing that can happen with practices is if there's not like any kind of finish line deadline thing you'll just dither into nothingness and you're like what is it even for like what's it's like so having you know being able to music to me is that dithering one like create would you say their songs create a song um just looking for a final product i mean it doesn't music Hmm. is it's not it's not easy but it's not hard either you know it just (laughs) <laughs> it just needs to be sounds like yes <laughs> good perspective. as long as it's like something i'm happy with or you like you'll inherently make something that you're like oh this sounds good to me you know and like years down the road maybe you won't think that but maybe you'll look at it and be like whoa who made this yeah well it's but. it's such a that's a really uh sounds to me like a very healthy perspective because it's not loaded down with the pressure of being this perfect thing or it has to sound like this or it doesn't sound oh. right it's like discovering what you're making and building off being of that too, yeah being too good is also a problem we're having too much knowledge you know there's like a healthy amount of like being <laughs> not, not ignorance not the right naive word, but like not yes thank you naive to like how certain things work and like being an artist and like just going to it you know if you have too much knowledge it's your stuff's going to sound or look too convoluted or, you know, it's like people who have very basic knowledge of something make some pretty like awesome, simple stuff that is easy to get along with. I fucking love Music's that. like that too, where it's like, you don't, I don't want to listen to someone noodle and shred as nice as it is. I want to hear like something just like nice, predictable that I can groove into, you know, doesn't take much. So, do you feel like from the outside looking in your video work and your photography work, they're very same caliber. The style is similar, which is very uncommon. I feel like generally people's two things look kind of different uh, or off balance from each other. Do you feel that you know too much with your film and video work? Um, no, I mean, those are things, it's like, they're technical things, right? And it's always moving. The ball is always moving mm. with, like, technology. Oh. So it's like, you want to keep up with, like, the things you're learning. And every day I, like, try to learn, or every video I make, I try to incorporate a new thing. Like, that's been a healthy way for me to, like, continue to move that ball up the hill, let's say. Um, yeah. Yeah, I feel like we had that conversation once in real life of, like, making videos and trying to add one new thing each time and dude that can be so exhausting too well it depends on how much you're making (laughs) or yeah or how often you're producing like how often are you uploading i'm doing like once a week but i haven't uploaded in a couple weeks so i i have things i'd like to do but i'm not gonna break my back if i don't do them okay i used to be interesting so i need to be a person who can like live and be fine with living with <laughs> without it all, even you know. So it's like a healthy balance. But I do enjoy when I put stuff out. I have so much stuff I'm sitting on. I do need to be putting stuff out. Yeah, and interesting. Whereas, like you said, the camera looks alike, like the photos and the videos. The vibe, the style. I shoot it on the same camera. Oh well, that would. But even so that too. Like, how you process the photos and how you color correct the footage. Like there's, they look very related. 
Right. And I think that too, like I was thinking about, about, um, it's kind of like the more you spend time with something, the more you get an understanding of it. And the more that you play with something, like your understanding is different than my understanding of how something works. Right. Like this is what I think it looks like and it's best thing. And I can't represent that. My, it's like in my mind, but it comes out differently. But I like my understanding of how something works and lives. And so you carry those concepts over with everything. And so it's like, it doesn't matter if it's, it looks alike because I have like similar concepts being carried over with how things work and should look, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean that is like the highest compliment too. Like it, I've met a lot of, <laughs> no, seriously. I've, I've met a lot oh. of photographer, the photographer filmmakers that, their photos look really good and their videos are just like, okay, or vice versa. And they, they don't often look like they're made from the same, basically your style pervades both of them. And it's very impressive because it's not, it's not common. Well, thank you. I'm not, I'm not trying to yell at you. Stop yelling at me. Jesus. Compliments are, they're blinding. Yeah, like, I mean, dude, this is something, it's it's not like, it It might be, I don't want to say, it, uh, I was going to say it might be new for some, but it's not new for us, like, that, that sounds bad, but like, we've been doing this for a, an incredibly long time, in a very back-breaking way, for <laughs> totally. more than I'd care to admit, you know, like, the amount of film days, or missions, or things that we've gone out and done, like, in the time in which I lived in San Francisco with like Mike Schmidt and like having Ed in the house and all these other people or like Devon and all these really good friends who were my riding companions you know we would go out every single day and have a backpack full of gear and just hike around San Francisco up all these hills and all these spots and we would like have (laughs) an endless amount of time doing that type of stuff yeah well i mean and then there's the whole post side of it too editing post side of it right well that's like it's you got to enjoy both sides of it right if you want to do the whole video thing yeah and it's like you can tell who who really who enjoys coming home and like playing with it you know like i i always enjoyed like when I was in high school, before I even found bikes, or before I was even trying to skateboard, like I found that I had a really enjoyable or fun time sitting at home at the end of the day with that footage and kind of chopping it up because we had a video editing program on our computer at home, you know? Oh, cool. I didn't know that. It was like my parents had a video camera um, that shot on mini-disc, you know, so it was like really new for its time and it shot on the CD. So I didn't need to, I, I never had to capture my footage on like VHS or little cassette tapes or anything like that. Whoa. I just dropped the mini disc into my computer and it went in and I grabbed the files and I dropped them into the program. So things were already getting like easier to work with <laughs> when I found it. Right. Yeah, which is totally, totally digital makes life way faster and I don't know if it's easier. You just get more options, but it's faster with so much more control, I think. Yeah. You just like you, everything, everything always gets easier, smaller, more ergonomic, 
you know? But, like, you look at how photography or television or camera setups used to happen and stuff, it's, like, it's laughable (laughs) (laughs) to what it is now. (laughs) I'm curious of, because your skill level is so high with your, just all, all of your filming from, like, the footage to the post to all the stuff within the post, like the After Effects type of, all of it, are how often are you, you say you try to add new things every video. How often are you like yeah. researching new stuff, like look, looking up things? Um, I mean, like it, it comes in waves and I hop into like different hobbies with heavy learning at different times. <laughs> um, I'm trying to balance it out more evenly. So it's not a heavy learning session for each hobby in different moments. But like with video, it's, it, there are reoccurring themes and there are things that you kind of like incorporate in your tool set. You're like, this is how I come to the table, right? These are the things I have at my disposal. And these are the ways in which I like to portray or do things. But I try to like add in one new thing or like you shoot differently, incorporate a new concept or like try to have one new thing a video. Yeah. I don't always do that, but it's just an easy way to like keep having fun with it. Right. I like realized that I was just kind of like turnkey operations for everything I was doing. And it was like becoming harder for me to want to do it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So trying to like take a step back and like come to the table differently. I was like, okay, fine. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. So actually for you, it sounds like, learning something different is a was a is a way to keep it interesting and keep it fun yeah Yeah, for sure huh because sometimes go ahead i always like the like photo video stuff or the video more more specifically but like when it comes together and it makes you laugh and you're like sitting by yourself and you're like oh my gosh (laughs) yeah that's my laugh and (laughs) When that's happening, you're like, ah, oh, those are the moments that, like, make you do it, right? Yeah. Those I, are the moments I, I enjoy the most. Those are the moments I enjoy the most. And that's, like, what I remember when sitting at home in that dark room with our, like, computer at the time. Those are the moments I remember having that stuck with me and made me want to continue to not just have the film day, but have the, like, working night session where put it together at the end of, at the end of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So tr- making sure it's enjoyable for you first and foremost. Yeah. And it was just kind of like fun at first and you're just making videos for no one. Basically at, this is like in, in high school, the like BMX skate stuff we were making. Right. It was just for fun. But once I started making like fixed gear content, it was like, there was already this, like growing audience of people and a very heavy demand for it and an unlimited amount of blogs and platforms promoting that type of stuff and looking for new videos all the time that like you could put out a video and instantly have an audience in front of you, you know? So that was like a, a key factor in us continuing to like, Oh, what people are watching. That's cool. You're, you're already watching other people's stuff and now they're responding because they see that you're a part of the community in a more meaningful way, 
you know? Yeah. I mean, having an audience is super motivating. It's like a way, cause if no one ever sees it or no one ever responds to it, it kind of will fall flat. I feel. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like, what is, what is, you said something earlier about what are you working towards or what's the depth, what's the finish line, you know? There is, like, it's well, death. I have a finish line for my videos because then they, I put them out and mm. they're off to the races or. Yep, like a deadline. done for me, but then it, other people can enjoy it now, you know? Right. And the time I'm spending is not for, not. <laughs> yeah, well, and then it goes to the other side of it too is like sometimes you make a video and it doesn't, uh, what did they say, uh respond well or like do as well as other videos which is can, right. can be kind of a mind fuck because you're like oh well like okay totally and it, and it could happen with something that you're like this is my best yes. video ever this yeah. one's gonna explode yep. and then it does nothing and you're like oh okay yeah humbling moment maybe i shouldn't care about this stuff it's yeah yeah and then youtube actually specifically is kind of a mind fuck because it's so data driven with like views and comments and likes and how it tracks and da da da. And it, right. You're like, every time you log into the dashboard on the, on the back end, it's like all this data of like how good a video is doing or how bad a video is doing. And it, it really wears your mind out is not healthy. Right. Too much insight. Right. So that's like totally. what we talked about with knowledge, like being naive to certain things or like, <laughs> purposely avoiding certain parts of it because i have that too i see it and i monitor like oh how the little line right yeah I'm like oh there's an uptick you're like yes oh there's a downtick oh, oh totally like, uh, yeah well maybe i should just go outside <laughs> yeah good response actually like yeah not to focus on that shit totally but, and whenever i'm like stressed out or i'm like oh get, feeling crazy which recently is often. Yeah, exactly. But whenever I'm like, whenever I'm hitting that moment, I'm like, ah, it's just because you're inside, right? Like your world right now is really small. Like right now for me, I'm in this room. It's like, ah, really small. And so I got to like step outside and realize that it's like, not the bigger picture because that sounds lame. But like, ah, I realize that things are bigger than just like my little house, my little problem, little room that I'm in and like stirring in. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, so, so like taking a meta view, like just stepping outside of your, re not reality, but your world. Yeah. Yeah. And I know right now they're telling us not to go outside, but I'll just look out the window. I See, it's there. A little, little <laughs> bit outside's okay. <laughs> um, I, I'm curious of what, so like the fixed gear freestyle thing has gone, I feel like it's kind of gone through a bunch of different um, mo I want to say motions like you know it's it's grown I feel like it's kind of shrunk like how do you feel mm -hmm. about it now compared to what it has been the path that it's taken like has it flushed out a lot of bullshit could it be do you wish it was bigger smaller I mean there's like it's funny to see it's funny to see the cycle of things right and once something's introduced into the ocean you know it's like it going to keep making waves and it's going to come in different like <laughs> at different velocities let's say and it like kind of went away for a good while there but it's kind of like re it was like reborn in a sense that like more and more people were starting to do tricks on track bikes again completely unaware that like 
the Shakespeare freestyle movement even happened, you know? Oh, really? And I think it's funny when you see people, you don't know what people are exposed to and how much of it they are, you know? And I think that a lot of people kind of don't know the full history of Shakespeare freestyle or the got the same exposure to it in which I did, you know? Well, yeah, inevitably, everyone's going to have a different interaction with everything because everybody's different. Yeah. And I think with, like, everything at the time was up on Vimeo, which a lot of people's stuff got taken down. Oh. And so there's not a lot of, like, places to find it like there once was, you know? So, like, newer content moving forward all exists on YouTube. But there's, like, this whole history that kind of existed on Vimeo or still exists there, but it's not a prevalent platform that people are searching on you know so they're not finding it in that way it's, but it seems like um the fix your freestyle thing it had like a big surge and then it kind of died out and now it does it feel to you like it's like it's a solid foundation of like real people that are in it yeah it's not it, so trend Exactly. So I think it came back like when it when I found it right. Oh, trending, already on the uptick, and it was like becoming more mainstream. So I already found it at that moment, and then it kind of like we rode that wave in. Everyone had a really good time riding that wave, you know. (laughs) And then it kind of went away. And then there's still people who are doing it, you know. But it's like only the diehards. Yeah. And at the time, it was like all fixed gear was one big entity, right? This is fixed gear, vintage bikes. Now more are being produced. You don't have to just buy like a conversion or something or a, you know, actual velodrome bike frame. And so it was like one big thing, like fixed gear. And then once like fixed gear freestyle, like like 26 inch kind of like BMX movement started happening with it. We kind of like took that and branched off and away from, fixed gear as a whole totally it was like so big and we didn't need to be all one big group anymore you know and we didn't necessarily at the time enjoy it or want to have the association with like the like track bike fixie part of it because we were we felt like we were doing like bmx or actual tricks and that was separate in some way you know we weren't doing the racing and so it kind of just naturally branched off a little bit, but now like with everything where it's at these days, it seems like all the bike community is connecting in this really cool way from like, not just on a fixed gear level, but all the BMX, the wheelie boy kids, like all the bike life kind of dynamic or like people in all these cities are coming together and hanging out. And like down in San Francisco at the Island, it's not just the fixed gear kids or the skateboard side and the bike side like it used to be everyone's kind of like much more intermingled and much more comfortable and yeah i i think that that's one of the best things about it yeah it's well san francisco too it seems like it's always been such a that is one of the amazing things about it is that it is such a melting pot and it will be a place where like bmx dudes and skate dudes and fixed gear dudes are all kind of hanging out and just like just being together like it, i don't know if it's well because the city is small too so you're all kind of like 
I don't know. Maybe it's a general statement, too too broad of a statement. Yeah. Like you're doing something in the city too. What tight? Yeah, that's not how it always is. Fuck no. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, but it's yeah. it's fun with like, especially down here in LA with like the Dixie Goon rides that were happening. It's like you go to those and literally anybody, if you're on two wheels, you're good there. You know, everyone's coming together, and it's not like. I don't know. It's not like everyone's separated or they feel like they're on a different bike. So that matters, you know? Yeah. It's, it's really cool to see how big your following on social media is and how big your YouTube channel is for having a, a, such a niche subject of fixed gear freestyle. It's awesome to show how strong it is. And it's really good for fixed gear freestyle to have you because you're, visual projection of it is such a high caliber that it just elevates all of it. It's, it's just fun to watch the whole thing continue to evolve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you for saying that. Um, <laughs> like as of recently, I've been riding my like FGFS bike more, my like 26 inch four pegs set up and all my homies are like, what you're riding again. So sick. And they all want to act like I just, crawled out of the grave you know whoa really like, <laughs> well i just like haven't ridden that bike in a while you know and everyone's stoked at like they're happy to see me i guess riding it again um because of the audience in which i i have in front i hate this sounds weird always but i have this audience right and it's like the if i can help promote that community which i'm deeply a part of and yeah. historically have been and always will and i should be it deserves that attention it's sick yeah i agree well i feel like you see the magic in it so you get fuel from that magic and then of course you want to promote that magic or energy yeah. or whatever yeah i think it's a i think it's i mean fix here is the how i came to how i came to bikes Right. So people are always like, oh, how, how long have you been riding or did you ride BMX or something? But like, I just love riding fixed gear. And it's not necessarily like which bike. I just like the feeling of the drivetrain and the feeling of the footwork. And once you kind of like figure out that footwork or that clockwork of how your pedals connect and that feeling of the spacing, it's super gratifying. <laughs> I love the fact that fixed gear now is like so quote unquote big that there's these segmentations of it of like, oh, you're on the FGFS. Oh, you're what's the other just what will you call the other bike? Uh, just a 700 C yeah. tra- fixed trick track bike fixed gear. What do you call it? Yeah, it's, it's like it's my track bike and my um, fixed gear freestyle bike. The FGFS bike. OK. And then, yeah, then there's like. There's been such a progression of stuff, right? So there was like a small moment where there was like these in-between bikes made that were like 700C, still like track geometry, full leg extension, but you could like have bigger tires on it and more bar spin clearance and all of that. And then that quickly turned into all 26-inch kind of BMX style bikes. But it's like there's a small window in which there was like a crossbreed perfect melting point between the two what was one of those cross was it like the gorilla or like what were some of those 
like the charge scissor was one of those bikes okay the go real love was one of them oh it was okay. um it was like the fbfm's fbm sword there was like, oh yep i remember that you saying that right yeah, there was just like a bunch of bikes at the time, you know? Brooklyn Machine Works had a bike that looked very capable. Yeah. <laughs> like the downward, like, yes. planting, top tube and all of that, so. I forget the name of that one. It was like gang something gangster something. Oh, yeah, the gangster track. It was that. Oh, That's interesting. The bike, dude. They started making those again. They look so good. So who makes fixed gear freestyle bikes now? Um, Like Master Bike Co. Master Bike Co. Um, it's run by Kareem. Oh, sick. And he from the community up, up there in Seattle, and he's been making some awesome stuff and really keeping the community alive via the one thing that it really needs, which is rear hubs. That was something that, like, nobody was stepping up to the plate to create or make. Interesting. And that was, like, the one thing, having a micro drive, 14-mil axle, fixed-gear freestyle rear hub was becoming increasingly harder to find. And that was going to be the, like, stake in the heart, uh, essentially, to, like, kill the scene if no one ever produced one, right? You only had to buy secondhand or used or hope that those are still working and available, which yeah. with the amount of beating at that bike or that type of bike takes is super rare. Right. So Master Bike Co., Kareem, shout out Kareem, definitely a good place. Rough Bike Co., also ride around and operated. They make like a sleeper okay. frame and they have handlebars and like rims and they do it. There's still brands out there, but it's not nearly what, what it was or where it was with the kind of big mainstream. I don't want to say mainstream, but just like bigger brand support, you know, yeah. it's all rider owned. Operated. Right. <laughs> or there was an initial momentum just of track bike. And then it was like, it was just growing so much that it inevitably would branch off into other things. And that's okay. what happened, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I rode for um, Specialized for right. a couple of years um, with a P-Fix because we were just like, we were already riding fixed year freestyle, like coming into it with this like cross crossbreed bike. We were on like leader TRKs at the time. And specialized was is in morgan hill it's headquarters which is the town right next to gilroy where i grew up oh. and so they saw that we were just local and already riding this had a little crew and we're riding these bikes so they brought us in and we came in and began prototyping the complete fgfs field that they were trying to produce and kind of gave them feedback and helped work at work it out to what it was but that was a fun time and that's again example of major brand <laughs> Not recognition, but participation. <laughs> Did that bike ever hit the market? Did that bike ever come out? Yeah. Oh, it, it was did. out for a handful of years. Oh. Like, I won't say like three years they had it out and available. They're like three different models. I have like at my parents' house and my grandma's shed, I have like 20 different FGFS frames sitting there. All like prototypes from <laughs> back in the day. That must have been super fun and exciting to have Specialized be like, yo, help us design this bike. Like, we don't know what we're doing. Or know, you know, what it takes or whatever, you know. Why yeah, not? it was pretty – well, yeah, they just wanted to, like – they appreciated that we were grassroots in their eyes, Fuck, you know, to use a, a marketing term. 
<laughs> so we were local and we were like there and we were like, you know, young and hungry and all the things you want to call it. Um, so I ended up working in Specialized for like a good little bit, just as like a taking a break from school. I went and worked there for like six months and helped them with the project as well as worked in like the graphic design department. Um, and at the time I like, I did some, I did like some different like concepts of different new logos for the P-Series brand, which was their like BMX, mountain bike, kind of Dixie freestyle, anything trick related. It was oh. their like P-Series line. What did the P stand it for? It was... Performance? That's a good one. Yeah, no, dude, I don't even know. That's funny. That. It doesn't really matter, but it's just fun, interesting. Maybe it'll come yeah, to so you. So they had a whole line of bikes, right? A big line of bikes. Wow. And it was all their trick bikes. And so I like worked there, and I went back to school. So, and then like a year later, I'm out riding my bike in SF, and I see a dude on like a mountain bike. He comes ripping up on a hardtail and stops next to me. And he's on a specialized and it has the logo that I like made or designed during the time I worked there. And they like incorporated it or used it on like all the bikes and all the parts and components that were like printed on it. Whoa. So I like was like, why? That's so cool. I was like, dang, I didn't tell him anything. I just told me to get a tight bike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I like literally every single part and component, like on the crank, like on the frames, like on the handlebars, like the grips, the pedals, like all of it had this logo basically that I designed. And that was probably one of the biggest design things that's been put into production that I've ever done. And then you didn't get a single, like, do you have anything from that to like keep or hold? Um, hold? I have some stuff. Okay. Sure. I got some sprockets. Hold it. Those must be some sprockets. What? Holy These shit. Are all, like, little micro ones. <laughs> yeah. sizes. Okay, I got a dumb question. What does micro drive mean? Micro drives is like compact gear ratios. So it's like you could have a big chain ring and like a big cog in the back, or you could have a small cog and a small chain ring. Got it. And equivalently, they are the same gear ratio. Totally. You know, so it's the same like ugh, effort in pedaling, but it's just a more compact version. And that's good for some things and bad for others, oh. they say. It's stronger. I think it's, um, it's, it's having a small chain ring, like having a chain ring this size is a 23, I think. Oh. It's a 25. So what would but be having something tiny like this keeps your chain ring out of the way when you're doing grinds, yeah. when you're dropping into things. So totally. it's not going to be like, oh, it's hitting your biting point. It's not going to catch, but it's going to put your chain under more tension and it's going to put more wear on these teeth because they're engaging more often. Right. Oh. So that's, um, that's the downside. But what? the benefit is if you're trying to do tricks, it's, way out of the way it's out of the way but the whole like vibe with things with track bikes is that you want visually having a big chain ring looks tough you're like oh yeah big gear right but really the cog is what makes the difference wait what kind of cog would you have with the 23 chain ring oh the 23 yeah this is too small or i don't know run, like 25 or whatever like what's a common if ratio had, like, if you had 25 and a 10 on the back that's 2.5 
So that means that your tire is rotating two and a half times for every oh. one full pedal rotation. Yep. That's that's pretty, that's as light as you probably want to go. Okay. <laughs> two times is a pretty light gear ratio on a 26 inch size wheel, right? If So like I run 3.0 or 3.1. So having like a 30, 10, let's say is 3.1. That'll give you uh, a heavier gear and it'll be more, it'll be better for the amount of standing up and pedaling you have to be doing. You're not spinning out. Do but you have, you're really going to limit yourself with the amount of skid patches. You're only going to have one skid patch. Oh, so really? Oh yeah. Your tire really quick, but then you got this big gear. So if you're like, I recently went to a 3.1, a 31 in the front and a 10 in the back and that works out. Or if you have equivalently like a 28 and a nine tooth in the back, then that's pretty good too. Huh. Okay. Hey, do you ever ride BMX bikes now? No. <laughs> no. When I worked at special, when I when I worked at Specialized, they had like a, a lineup of bikes. You know, all the bikes up hanging up on the wall, big warehouse, and like an open space there at the time that was like unoccupied. It was just like a big warehouse. And when I worked there, it was winter, so it was raining like all it was raining all the time. So I would just grab one of the like mountain bikes and. I would just do tricks in there. Huh. And that's kind of how I learned how to ride freewheel a little bit. <laughs> but what about... But I never... Yeah. BMX is, like, too small. It's I'm used to, like, huge bike exertion. Like, every trick takes... Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I yell and gut <laughs> strength, you know? And BMX isn't always that. <laughs> and that's why I would think BMX would be really interesting for you because it it seems like it would be a lot lighter and smaller to throw around. Like maybe Yeah, but easier? then it's like I'm building a skill for a community that's like saturated both with skill. <laughs> for sure. For it's sure. like I'm, I can make a video that's BMX with me riding BMX and, you know, it's like maybe my friends will watch it. But if like I did anything on my fixed gear bike of far less equivalent in <laughs> difficulty – People are like, what? That's crazy. You know, so it's like the what I feel at the end of the day doing a thing. And I'm not a part of that community directly. I don't feel like I have an obligation or historically had one. So I, if I was riding BMX and got hurt trying to ride BMX and I couldn't ride my fix your or fix your freestyle bike, I would feel like a dummy. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, well, I was just more curious on you, like, not even owning it, just, like, playing around on one because it's so it's similar fun. but different. Yeah, I like riding one around when someone has one until I, like, fall and get hurt and I go, thank you. Yeah, 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 <laughs> totally. Huh. Yeah, very cool. Uh, I don't know. I guess we did our hour. What do you think? Is there anything else you wanted to touch on or anything? Um, shoot. I don't know. I mean, not really. I guess I'm still. What do I got on my desk that I can show really quick? <laughs> got this little drone. Have you seen this? Oh, that's amazing. It's a fun little thing. I got this book. I showed you this. Oh, already. yeah. Already Thank you. Me. So, what is this? This is just like a book that I made of a bunch of work or like photo work from last year. Last year, 2019. Yeah, so I just kind of like took the time to put together. Let's see if I can just open some stuff. 
put together some photos of things. Fuck yes. Dude, sick. I never have, like, printed stuff at home. Like, all my digital work lives online. So it's fun to have, you know, some... Sick. all these track builds in it. Mike Schmidt. That's... Ed Wonka in the corner. J-Ball. More. Dude, sick. Yeah. Is this book, can people get that? Is it just like a one-off? Yeah, it's just a one-of-one. One. <laughs> I'd love to do more printed stuff with friends or something. Maybe we'll like figure out a way to put together, make a book, and make stuff like accessible in some way. But like, this was so expensive for me to just make one. Right. Granted, it is only printing one's always going to be like that, but, right. you know. Yeah, it's, well, that almost goes back to the zine thing. With just like make something DIY, you know, small yeah, and maybe not hardcover, but something printed that's like a distributable, like I like a zine, I guess is what I think of. Right. It'd be fun to collaborate with people on one. Maybe you and I should do one. I'm down. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Maybe I need the... some photos to draw on, vice versa. Exactly. Yeah, that would be sick. Way to lay something out. I like that. Oh, yeah, I have I some ideas. Too some ideas actually too very cool well i won't take any more of your time then mr matt reyes oh look at that (laughs) uh anybody who's interested in matt's work he his level of filmmaking is so legit so if you're curious about any of the things we've been talking about just is, is it matt reyes on youtube or slumworm on youtube um it's matt reyes on youtube perfect and then yeah. Slumworm on Instagram. And the, the crux of all of it is wheeltalk.org to get all oh. your wheelie action. <laughs> so holds it all together. That's the glue. There you go. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate your time. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. And we'll chat more often. Fuck yeah. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right. See you later.